It's time for this week's edition of the Virtual Bible Study. The Virtual Bible Study is a live, internet-only, call-in program dedicated to the honest study and discussion of God's Word. Do you have a question about something in the Bible? Or are you simply interested in learning more about the Scriptures? If so, we hope you'll stay tuned tonight as we look into the pages of God's Word. The Virtual Bible Study is brought to you this time each week by the College View Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. You can participate in the discussion tonight by calling 93 Three one three eight one. Four five six seven, or by emailing your questions or comments from collegeview.com. We hope you'll take out your Bibles and study along with us as we begin an exciting study of God's Word on this edition of the Virtual Bible Study. Hey, we welcome you to the Virtual Bible Study for Thursday, August seventh, two thousand fourteen. Thank you for being a part of the program tonight. Hope you'll make plans to stay with us tonight, and that you'll make plans to comment at eight seven seven three eight one four five six seven. Questions at collegeview.com in the chat room to the bottom of your video feed. My name is Jacob Gwynn. My father, Greg Gwynn, is here. Hello, Dad. Jacob, great to be with you tonight. We're good, looking forward good to, to be with an you important as, uh, discussion. I hope as tonight. well, and uh, Anthony is behind the controls. Anthony, welcome to the program. Good to be here, and uh, we're looking forward to hearing from you, Anthony, uh, from. As you pull two jobs tonight, talking and uh, running the board. And uh, interesting uh, topic that you've planned for tonight, and one that's very important. I'm looking forward to it personally. I have uh, a vested interest in tonight's program. We're going to talk about parenting somewhat tonight. We're going to talk about things that our children really need. Uh, I know back, I think, four years ago, Jacob, you did a show. I wasn't present for that particular show, but you did a show on uh, back to school, spiritual back to school needs. Yes, I right, think, and right. we're going to probably overlap some of that discussion. But you know, this is sort of the time when parents think about things for their kids. You know, clothes, shoes, uh, uh, necessary school supplies, and so forth. And that's true. Even so many of our parents, these uh, among Christians these days, are homeschooling their kids, which is, uh, I think, a really sacrificial thing to do. But even there, you've got to be concerned about getting certain supplies and necessities in place so it's just sort of this time of year we think about what our kids are needing and so we can use that as a springboard to talk about what our kids need spiritually and that's going to be the gist of our discussion tonight all right Uh, and uh and certainly uh some important things we'll talk about you set out some things for us to consider in your email earlier today yeah to our update list earlier today we sent out this topic things that our kids really need uh, in a materialistic society, it's important that parents focus on spiritual values for their kids. That's what we said. Uh, what principles and priorities do parents need to have constantly in mind? That's the gist of our topic. For questions, we asked for uh, our respondents, and I think people were pretty busy today. We didn't get much response at all. Uh, but we asked for thoughts along the, to- um, uh, along the lines of, how should parents view the time they spend with their kids, discipline of kids, praise of kids, the example they set before their kids? And then we talked about instilling good Bible knowledge in our kids, respect for authority, moral courage, and an understanding of consequences. So we got sort of two parts. One is, uh, how, you know, just our relationship with the kids. How, how, as parents, how do we relate with our kids? Yeah. The second part of the study is, a special emphasis on what do we teach them from the Word of God. All right. Are you feeling okay tonight? I am. You're looking sort of orange on that camera. What, what's up with that, Anthony? Yeah, I don't know. I'm thinking <laughs> the one? same thing. Which one? Uh, that one over there. We'll have to work on that. Okay. Uh, maybe, maybe the dial got changed. Anthony, uh, it's interesting that you mentioned the materialistic society that we live in and the prosperous society we live in. Anthony, I think that... Well, that's uh, posing a lot of challenges that maybe in the old days people thought, well, if we could just, you know, have it a little bit easier, it would be better in our family, but it doesn't seem to be going that way. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of a, a two-edged sword, and, um, you know, we've got to be careful that the materialism doesn't creep in. And, and you know, when the nature of that is as we get more, we we don't, you know, we, we want more, and we want more after that. So, um, you know, it's certainly a challenge for us in this country in this time where we have so many material goods, so certainly something to Yeah, I would be willing to argue that it's more of a challenge for parents today. The materialism of our culture is more of a challenge for people today raising kids than it ever has been before because we live in a place where more, a higher percentage of people are significantly blessed with an abundance of material things. And as we bring up kids in that culture, then, then that changes 
sort of a lot of the of the dynamics of of their upbringing. Kids uh, not that many generations ago would have worked from daylight to dark on the farm doing chores, uh, crashing to bed just without, uh, you know, so tired from their physical labors they didn't have time to do much else. Now our kids have lots of free time and they have lots of things that, that can serve as a diversion to them and even a distraction to them. So a lot of things have changed. Lots of things have changed, and I you know, I look over your list of things that children, that kids need and, and the importance of teaching our kids these things, and I <clears throat> I can see the materialism uh, and the prosperity of our society getting in the way of all of the ones that you've listed tonight, and so it is a challenge for us in, in the time that we live uh, as we raise our children, uh, ironically, in, in, the, in the midst of the, these blessings that we enjoy. Yeah. Let's start out by just talking about that very element of time, Jacob, uh, and we ask our respondents, and we want to talk to those of you who are in the chat room, give us some thoughts about the time that you think ought to be invested with your kids. There's this argument that's made, Jacob, that, well, maybe we're busy and we don't have as much qual- quantity of time to spend with our kids, but we just, we'll just we just make it quality time. What time we can have, we'll make it quality yeah. time. Yeah. And And there are some disturbing statistics out there that suggests that uh, parents are spending very little time at all with their kids. Yeah. You know, that, 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 that concept, I'm afraid, is just something that you, people use to sort of salve their conscience when they're, when they're chasing the, the almighty dollar. Uh, well, we're, we're, we're not spending time with our kids, but we'll just spend a lot of money on them and have some real quality time when we, get, when we do spend some time with them. Yeah, and, and I do think that that's just sort of uh, uh, an excuse Maybe something to make them feel good about themselves. We we didn't have we didn't spend much time with our kids, but last October Whoa. we did take them to Disney. We World. had a blowout. Vac- we had we, a European vacation. Or we went to Disney World. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Uh, now I don't. I'm not even sure I've seen them since then. But we did go to Disney World yeah. last fall. Yeah. You know, and we couldn't uh, stand each other when we were together. But uh, yeah. But and so what we're saying is that that's that's a bad concept. Uh, our kids need our influence constantly. Proverbs 29, verse 15 says, A child left to himself bringeth his mother to shame. And that's really what's being done a lot by parents these days. The kids are just almost being left to raise themselves. Uh, they're not getting the parental influence that they need. And the the statement of that Proverbs is, is really true. They're being left to themselves, and the result is it's a shame to the parents. All right. Uh, 877-381-4567 or behind the controls with the microphone there, Anthony. No, I think you're right. You know, as my kids get older, I see, it's kind of scary, I see myself in them and my habits and tendencies and, you know, speech patterns or whatever. So it just goes to show you that, you know, the kids are going to imitate whether they realize it or not. They're going to imitate the people that they're around the most. Yeah. And so that needs to be you. It doesn't need to be the TV or, uh, you know, the wrong kind of friends at school or whatever. So, yeah, I'm completely on board with you. The idea of quality time to me is a, is a cop-out. Um, yes, obviously, we should strive to make all of our time with our kids quote-unquote quality. We want it to be good. But, you know, the key is more quantity uh, in being there, like Greg said. All right, uh, that uh, familiar passage in Deuteronomy chapter six is coming to mind of of how the, the the Israelites were to teach their children as they're walking in the way, as they're rising up, as they're sitting down. It, you get the picture of uh, of some children that were constantly in tow with their parents there, as you see the the the, the parents being taught to, to train their children and throughout the day as they were as they were doing, it. And, they, and they weren't they weren't playing, I'm sure. In those times, constantly, they were going about their, their day working, but they were spending time where they could uh, with their children because there was such a, a responsibility there to teach them. Yeah, and the fact of the matter is if, I, if I'm not the one who's spending a lot of time with my kids, obviously somebody else is, and that other somebody is having a bigger percentage of time influence over my kids than I am. That's right. You know, if, if, I, if I only make time you know, to, to just greet them in passing, morning and evening, yeah. If I spend, you know, and I think statistically, and I found some statistics the other day, I don't know what I did with them. But it's statistically, if you know, I think the average American family only eats dinner together two times a week. Right. You know, so if, if, if the most time, if 20 minutes a day is all that I really am around them, 
uh, and that's usually high stress time at that, then the people who are having a bigger influence on them than me are, are other people. Right. You know, if, I, if, if I've got them in school or if I've got them in daycare or if they're running with the kids in the neighborhood or whatever, whoever that is that they're around has a bigger influence on them than me simply by virtue of the fact they're spending more time with them than I do. Yeah. And that's not good. Absolutely. 877-381-4567. Questions at collegeu.com. As you think about that, uh, you're, you're right. Uh, we have a treasure in our children. And are we going to entrust that treasure to, well, let them go run with the kids down the street? I or, don't want to spend any time with them. Or the people at daycare who, by the way, I don't even know. Right. You know, I don't know who those people are. I, you know, uh, they just send them out to me when I show up in the car. When I get there in the morning, I just open the car door and they jump out. I don't even know who those people are in there are. I don't know what their values are. Uh, I, I don't even know if they're decent people at all. But right. they are the ones who are tending my kids more than I am. Yeah. That's got to be a scary thing for parents. It's got to be something to think about. And when we get home, if we do eat dinner tonight, uh, together, the television is on, and after dinner is over, we sit down in front of the television, and the only thing we say to our kids is to get down in front so we can see. Be, be still. Quiet, I can't hear. I can't hear. Uh, we're, and we, we totally miss the opportunities we can to, yeah. to, to, to teach them. Guest 48 in the chat room says, in my opinion, you can't force quality time. The quality time I've had with my children started out as just ordinary time, doing something as simple as bringing them with me to the store to get something we needed to fix around the house. I appreciate that, Guest 488, and that is uh, that is true. Uh, those 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 it, Anthony, it doesn't uh, it doesn't have to be anything extraordinary, right? I mean, I think that's again that's the the um, uh, the fallacy with this idea of quality time is that well, I'm gonna set a date on a calendar and do this, and I know for me, almost invariably, when you try to plan to do something big and exciting. It always goes wrong, or there's traffic, or you get a flat tire, and you know whatever. But it's it's these unplanned things or these simple things is when the really the good moments arise. And right. uh, and sadly, I'm afraid that we're trading uh, these this quality time, which you know, with our family, or uh, this or in uh, this quantity of time, any either one, we're trading it for something that's very tra- transparent or. Tra- Transient. Transient. And, uh, and, well, you uh, know, the, the reason why a lot of parents don't have or don't make time, it's not that they don't have it, but they, they spend it in other things. What they're spending it in, in is in the pursuit of materialism. You know, so, you know, dad works lots of overtime because he's got to make more money to support the, the lifestyle that we've grown accustomed to. Now, many families have to have that second income of mom working in order, again, to sustain the lifestyle we've become accustomed to. And so we want our kids to have – the argument is we want our kids to have things. We want to be able to afford to go on nice vacations. We want to be able to live in a nice house. So in order to to be able to spend on material things, we forfeit what the kids need more, and that is our time and our interest and our direct involvement in their lives – and what happens, I think, over time is that that actually becomes sort of a an, an escape. You know, the kids kind of get on my nerves now. I, I'm not around them a lot, and and when I am, man, you know, it it, it drives me crazy. Yeah. And so I look for more opportunities to be away, work longer hours, or uh, distract myself in other activities, and I spend less and less time with the kids. And and you, you see it just sort of going from bad to worse. All right. Um, you know, and one other thing uh, that uh, we see, uh, I'm afraid, is that uh, we're not maybe not maybe not in work. Uh, people trading in, in you know the time for the, with the kids in for work, but for entertainment. You know, the, the television. Uh, we don't spend any time with our children because of the television. And uh, well, Anthony, now it's uh, maybe this is uh, we don't have any ground to stand on, but the internet, right, and, and the <laughs> smartphones, right? Yes, absolutely. Uh, yeah, we don't uh, we we don't get our nose out of out of the computer long enough to spend time with our kids. Yeah. Uh, let's go to the phone, and we'll welcome Arthur to the program. Arthur, welcome to the Virtual Bible Study. Uh, hello. Thank you. Thank you for calling in tonight. Oh, you're welcome. I I was just thinking of uh, uh, three different incidents that I'd heard years ago about uh, children and their lack of attention or affection from their parents. And um, the two little boys was uh, playing ball, and uh, it got on up close to dark, and one little boy said, you know, said, I got to go home. Mama said me to come home when it gets close to dark. The little boy said, "You know," said I wished I had a mother who cared enough about me to tell me when to come home. That's right. That's Didn't right. make any difference when he came home. Well, yeah, 
big. And a lot of kids are that way now. I mean, uh, you know, we even have an expression for it. We call them latchkey kids. Mm-hmm. They let themselves out and let themselves in, and no adult is around to even see that they are in a right, uh, doing the right things, or that they're safe. And they know that. Yeah. They tell that. And then I got a couple more. Uh, I was remembered somebody talking about the oh, five, six-year-old. He'd uh, uh, come to his father. And he was up under the car, working on the car, and he's wanting nothing but attention from his father. Oh, here, take this dollar, roll down there. Here, take this dollar, go down to the store and get you some candy. You know, he missed the point completely. You know, and just thinking, well, that that would serve the purpose, you know, give him money, you know. But he wanted daddy's attention and time. Uh, and then there's another little uh, boy that uh, he was always getting in trouble, always getting in trouble, and they just couldn't understand why he would do that, and uh, he finally just told him one day, he said, you know, said, when I get in trouble, I get attention, and somebody grabs me and holds me. I just need to be held. And they, just, and they want to get that attention one way or the other, don't they, Arthur? And so they'll do whatever it takes to get it. You better believe it. I can remember. I can remember some of the things that I did. I, I done lost you. Yeah, you're there. We got you. You hear us? Now, I can just remember some of the things that I did was terrible, you know, but, uh, you know, when you got uh, nine siblings, you know. and But it, but it got a rise out of your parents, so you did it. Yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah. And, and that's sad, you know, that sometimes that they don't get that attention. Yeah, I think you're right, Arthur. I think you're exactly right. I guess when you have nine siblings, though, you just take what you can get, don't you? That's right. But you don't want I'm listening. All right, Arthur, thanks. Bye. All right. You know, I, I just we're just ready to take a break, but I, I want to just say, Jacob, that there's a lot of parents out there who realize the value of the time they spend with their kids, and they're making sacrifices to make it possible. And moms are staying home, not taking that second job, so they can be with their kids to raise them. And I just want to express a word of appreciation. That's a sacrifice that's being made, in I believe, in behalf of the kids. Uh, and that's that's a good thing, and I think it's a commendable thing. I want to commend the the young parents who have the wisdom and foresight to make that kind of sacrifice. Because I'm gonna tell you, and I sound like an old an oh old boy. coot. Oh I sound like an old coot when I say this, but over the years, through the years, unfortunately, I've seen a lot of families that had trouble. The kids didn't turn out well, and there's almost not not exactly, but a very near one to one correlation to kids in trouble and working moms. I'm not saying every time there's working moms that kids get in trouble, but I am saying almost every time I knew of kids that got in serious trouble, the moms were working moms. And so they, uh, and I, I know I sound like an old coot when I say that, but that's just a, an extrapolation on the experiences that I've seen through the years. And these were good people. These were, these were God-fearing, church-going people. And yet uh, they just... Uh, had the heartache of kids that went bad, and a lot of times you could see the correlation between that and working moms. We're getting into an area of liberty or two as well, and so it is a matter of judgment. But just because it may be an area of liberty doesn't mean it's an area that is it is something that is a good judgment call. That's right. On on this, and and, and we understand sometimes it's a matter of necessity. And that's necessity. That's we're right. not, we're, and I'm not short. I'm not. So short you can't you can't that. make a blanket statement. No, no, and I'm not trying to, but no, I am I saying in so much as possible. Uh, our kids need our time, and in so much as possible, I, I really encourage moms to be at home with the kids. And I'll tell you this, I think that well, families make a financial uh, sacrifice, Anthony, to keep the mother at home. And I, I, mothers make a sacrifice. I think it, uh, uh, it would be a much easier job to go to the office uh, during the day rather than stay at home with the screaming kids. Absolutely. Uh, as, at least as far as the dads are concerned, that's. Uh, I think I've got an easier job than my wife. Oh, yeah. Uh, uh, and I'm afraid absolutely. there's some mothers who just don't want to make that sacrifice uh, to, to stay with that all day. Yes. Um, so couple we, we got we're late on a break. Let me a couple comments, Jacob. One guest 488 says I remember a gospel preacher saying one time that when he was young he had a drug problem. His parents drug him to the store, drug him to worship services, drug him to gospel meetings, drug him to get-togethers with other brethren, and so forth. And so it, they drug him around. They made him go places with them. And you know that is something that uh is invaluable as well 
don't pat your kids off. Take them with you to these things. Yeah. They need to be or they need to be experiencing these things. If you, if it's good for you, it'll be good for them as well. Uh, you're going to get me off on another soapbox, but I really think that young people need the experience of sitting around listening to old folks talk. Uh, you know, but we don't see much of that anymore. We don't see young people, especially interested in in getting that uh, experience and hearing what older folks have to say. Yeah. But I, that has that has been a staple of mankind from the from the earliest of times for the young people to sit at the feet of older people and learn from them. But these days, our kids are so distracted with their handheld devices and. And every other thing that's going on, I don't see a lot of young people sitting around listening to what the older folks have to say. And I think I think there's something being lost in that. I absolutely do as well. I remember used to when gospel meeting time came around, we looked forward to uh, you, 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 you and mom would have the, uh, the the visiting preachers that, you know, that, who came. We used to love that because all the preachers got together and they told the funny stories. Yeah, well, you get a bunch of preachers together. There's going to be a lot of talk. That's right. Uh, so there you go. Uh, we we I, th- I think you're right. You make a good point. Nick in the chat room. Nick says parents have no idea what kids are capable of when they're left unsupervised by the parents. I keep hearing I keep hearing ringing in my ears of parents saying, "Not my kids." It's too late when it becomes their kids. In other words, I think you're exactly right. Nick. A lot of parents say, "Well, you know, maybe other parents have this problem, but my it'll never happen with my kids." And one of the things parents need to learn is to never say never about their kids. You've got to be aware of all these potentials and dangers. And, uh, well, if we don't quit getting on soapboxes, we're never going to get to our break. But talking about leave, their kids leave being unsupervised, you can't leave your kids unsupervised with kids from church, as sadly as that may be. I remember, uh, in, especially in my college years, the kids from church were would have got me in just as much trouble as the kids from school. If I, if you know, without some caution, yeah. And so we can't assume. I know that if they're with kids from church, that it's okay. We can leave them unsupervised. I know. I, we've got a young lady in the church here who has told me that when she was a young person, it was other kids from the church where she went that that got her in the most trouble, that tempted her to do. Because her parents assumed that it was okay. Yeah. They're just kids from church. She assumed, well, they're kids from church. We won't have to worry about what they're going to try and get me into. And, well, there you go. It's a good, yeah. It's it's a good something for kids to hide behind. Right. Oh, it's the kids from church. Right. Yeah. Well, the kids from church may be just as rotten as they are. So you just got to parents got to be on duty twenty four seven. Got to have eyes in the back of their heads, and you got and that requires to our point. We've only got one point covered, but to our point is you got to invest the time. I think we've covered you more than one. You cannot you cannot get the job done without spending a lot of time. Right. You won't get it done right if you don't invest a lot of time in doing it. All right, we're gonna take a break. When we get back. We got to go with discipline. Ooh, that's a hot button topic. And may not be too politically correct, but what about discipline? We'll talk about that on the other side of the break. Don't go anywhere. The virtual Bible study continues right after this. There's more of the virtual Bible study to come after these important messages. Stay tuned. Hi, my name is Mike Johnson. I'm a member here at the College of You Church of Christ. Have you ever heard someone say that the members of the Church of Christ are too legalistic? Generally, people say this when we say that we must be careful to follow all the commands that God has given us. When we say, God says we must do this, or God doesn't command us to do that, people respond with, the members of the church of Christ are too legalistic. Well, while it may be impossible to know exactly what people mean when they make this accusation, if they are accusing us of being legalistic because we say that we should follow all the instructions that God has given us, then that accusation is correct. But let me ask you this. Which of the commands that God has given us should we ignore? Can we pick and choose which commands we follow, or must we follow them all? Jesus said we have to follow all the commands of God when he said in Luke chapter 6, verse 46, And why call ye me Lord, Lord, and do not the things which I say? We want to call Jesus our Lord, so we try to follow all the commandments that he has given us. We don't in any way think that following God's commands earns our salvation, but we do think it is necessary to be pleasing to him. Here at the College of You Church of Christ, we're trying to follow every command that God has given us. If, as a result, some people call us legalistic, then so be it. We think it's what God calls being righteous. Here's some quotes worth pondering. People do odd things to get even. The first step in training a child in the way he should go is to go that way yourself. Men do not reject the Bible because it contradicts itself, but because it contradicts them. Those who give the most are the least concerned about returns. You are where you are and what you are because of your own choices and decisions. If you don't like where you are and what you are, change your choices and decisions. A smart person may know what to say, but a wise person knows whether or not to say it. 
Man, wish I'd said that. See, I told you we'd be back. The virtual Bible study continues. And we're back on the program tonight as we talk Almost about right. ra- Well, we're, all, we're trying to get back uh, raising children on the virtual Bible study tonight. What our kids thoughts. really need. Yeah, what our kids really need. All right. All right, we're going to talk about discipline. I think that's obviously an important thing. I don't think that's news to any parent that our kids, that we need to put an emphasis on our kids uh, in regards to the discipline that, that we administer to them. The Bible gives us that job. It's, this is the one the big unpleasant thing about parenting is to have to discipline kids, when, especially when they're not doing well. But the Bible tells us that that's our job. You wanted the kids, now you're going to have to do the discipline because that goes with having the kids. Proverbs 23, 13, beginning, Withhold not correction from the child, for if thou beatest him with the rod, he shall not die. Thou shalt beat him with the rod and deliver his soul from hell. Of course, the Bible skeptics like to suggest that that verse is teaching child abuse, which it clearly is not, but it is teaching corporal punishment as a form of discipline, and that if we don't do it, then we're going to pay a price. If we don't discipline our kids, they're going to grow up to be undisciplined people. This, we, we discipline them to get them to a point where they are able to discipline themselves. But if we don't discipline them in the, in the formative years, they never grow up to be able to discipline themselves. And it is, uh, well, you're going to talk about respect for authority, but I think those are closely linked together, is that that discipline and that respect for authority and for rules that have to be uh, followed and, and applied. And uh, if we don't get that discipline installed, instilled with them about well, picking up their toys or putting up their shoes, then then they're going to they're going to struggle when it comes to following God's instructions for uh, not lying. And, Obviously, uh, and learning uh, the consequence of disobedience to their parents is the first thing that kids learn. I mean, that's the first form of discipline that there is. And if and, parents don't do it, then they're missing that that information in their formation and, formative years. And that transfers to following the instructions of their heavenly Father as adults. Anthony, I think you had a thought there maybe well yeah no i mean i completely agree i mean the bible clearly teaches that parents have to discipline their kids um as we we've already read and so you know it's it's a and as greg said before the break a 24 7 job i think that's what that's why so many parents want to just give up on discipline because it's very difficult and it's um you know you can't let your guard down and you have to be consistent and as consistent as possible so you can't really take a break. There's no time off. Yeah, disciplining children was a lot easier before I had any. Yes. You know, that, that idea of consistency, I think, is important, Anthony. Uh, we've used this verse before in 1 Corinthians 14, verse 8. If the trumpet give an uncertain sound, who shall prepare himself to the battle? Parents sometimes give that uncertain sound. You know, today I, I punished my kid for doing that, and tomorrow I let him do it without comment. And he doesn't know what my position on that particular activity is. And so I've, I've, I've really have blown it. Got to be consistent. But parents need to understand that, they're, that they have an accountability in the matter. In 1 Samuel chapter 3, verse 13, the Lord said, I have told Eli that I will judge his house forever for the iniquity which he knoweth, because his sons made themselves vile, and he restrained them not. And I think that's a powerful verse that teaches parents that there, that you have an accountability before God, that you are responsible, and He holds you responsible for disciplining your children. And if you don't, then you'll have Him to answer to. And guess 488 is on your same brainwave. Guess 488 uh, recites uh, that account in First Samuel of Eli, and uh, goes on to say, "As parents, we will be held accountable for not disciplining." I think that's exactly right. And I think we could tie this back to our first point about spending time with the kids, because if we're not making that connection with our kids by spending time with them, when they disobey us, it's like, ah, you know, who, who cares? But if we can, I feel like if we can teach our kids respect for us and understand that they're letting us down when they, if they disobey, they're, they're really, they're hurting us, they're letting us down. Um, I think that can go a long way to to helping that discipline and that behavior. But if you don't have that connection that you've built through spending time with them, that doesn't work. I think you're exactly right. So that's another reason to invest that time. Right. Yeah, yeah, right. And and your discipline is not going to be very effective if the only time you're around them is you're you're scolding them for something. That's right, too. Yeah. Yeah. 
real quickly, the, the other side of that, I want to take the other, we mentioned, what about giving your kids praise? Uh, so we got to discipline them, but we also should praise them when we, when we can. If all of the, if all the feedback they get from us is constantly negative, that's a pretty unproductive arrangement as well. I knew a psychologist once, Jacob, who said that, uh, we need to, for every negative thing we have to say and do toward our kids in discipline, we ought to do something we ought to do twice as much in positive reinforcement and encouragement and help, praise and so forth. I don't think a lot of parents do that. I, I don't think I was good at that as a parent. I, I just that takes a conscious effort. In other words, so I had to spank him today. I need to I need to offset that negative discipline with two positive uh, reinforcements. And and that doesn't come. Na- I think you have to concentrate on doing. That. I don't think well, because you, you, it's easy to just sort of well, they're they're behaving. That's what they're supposed to do, and just yeah. let that pass. Yeah. And then we only get onto them when they're doing something that you don't want them to do. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. And, I, and I, I agree with that. First Timothy two verse ten, Paul said, "Ye are witnesses, God also, how holily and justly and unblameably we behaved ourselves among you that believe, as ye know how we exhorted and comforted and charged every one of you as a father doth his children." Notice Paul Paul speaks of his relationship with the, the Christians in that church, and he compares it to a father, uh, and he says a father exhorts, comforts, and charges his children. And that's what we ought to do. But notice there was an emphasis on positive things there in the relationship of a father with his children. We've got to do that. Uh, a verse that always comes to mind is Ephesians 6, 4, where it tells fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. The parallel verse in Colossians 3.21 says, Fathers, provoke not your children to anger, lest they be discouraged. And that's the thing we've got to be careful about. So we've got to discipline them, and we need to balance that with praise and positive encouragements as much as we can. I agree. All right, uh, guests, uh, Nick uh, in the chat room says, The thing about Eli's children is they were adults when he did not restrain them. As high priest, he was responsible to restrain his sons, who were priests also. And guess 488 says, in my opinion, the disciplining of children also teaches our children respect for authority. If our children will not respect our authority as parents, then they will likely not respect God's authority. And thank you for that, 488. And Nick says, what I am getting at is Eli failed in exercising his authority as high priest over his adult sons who were abusing the priesthood. So Nick has a little bit different view there of that passage in 1 Samuel. Uh, Nick says that was he that he was failing on his job as high priest rather than failing on his job as a parent. Well, uh, I, I certainly agree with with that explanation, but I think it I think it's reflected in a total failure on his part to bring up his children to be God fearing and obedient kinds of people. Uh, they it's hard to believe they would have been like that as adults if he had done his job as as children. So, uh, you know, what's interesting is that Samuel was the one as a boy who was delivering those messages to, to Eli and Samuel, the great man that he was also turned out to be a, a bad parent. So, you know, I, I think, I think Eli was a bad parent. I do. I agree that he was, he was failing, uh, even when he was, his sons were adults as well. Free will can even go against what we were are raised to be. Nick says, we would agree with that as well. Uh, that, uh, that, you know, if, if it was just the parents' responsibility, I mean, if it, was, if it all fell on the parents' shoulders, Anthony, then um, that would take away the free will of the children. Right. But. Yeah, but. And, so, and, and the point, I think that's exactly right that Nick's saying, you know, a parent could do the very best job he's capable of doing, and his kids, when they grow up to, to be their own, to make their own choices, could make bad choices. But if you don't do the very best you can do, then you've just amplified the possibility that they're going to make bad choices later on all right okay all right we got to get this week's bullet point when we get back we've got a long way to go praise we've talked about example this is the next one we want to talk about we need to be giving our children a good example and uh, that's uh, that gets to us we got to talk about that don't go anywhere we'll continue right after this don't go anywhere you might miss something the virtual bible study continues right after this this is greg Wynn with this week's bullet point Ephesians 6, verse 13 says, Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. 
The Lord has supplied us with all necessary things, and he expects us to stand. The New American Standard Version renders this to stand firm. It seems that there are far too many Christians who are unwilling to take a stand. Some will not stand against false doctrine or those who teach it. They have a low tolerance for naming names of those who hold false views. They don't want anyone to specify the errors that are being taught in practice. They even go to great lengths to find some way to justify their continued fellowship with such false teachers. Others will not take a stand on important moral issues. Too many Christians want to be like the worldly people around them. They want to dress, talk, and act like the world. They want their children to be able to do all the worldly things that others do, including the wearing of immodest clothes, mixed swimming, dancing, attending filthy movies, and so forth. They simply do not want to be different from the world. In this, they refuse to take a stand. The spiritual battle with the forces of Satan is real and intense. There's no time to be weak or indecisive. 1 Corinthians 16, verse 33 says, Be on the alert. Stand firm in the faith. Act like men. Be strong. That's this week's bullet point. Think about it. I am Nestor Sanchez from Arica, Chile, in South America. And I love to listen to the virtual Bible study. And this moment, I invite you to participate in this program, too. Gracias. How about logging off of Facebook and getting into God's book? The virtual Bible study continues. We welcome you back to the program tonight. We remind you this program is brought to you by the College of Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. And as we often tell you, you can find out more about us by visiting our website, thevirtualbiblestudy.com, where you'll want to check out our sermon podcast there under the sign-up resources at thevirtualbiblestudy.com where you can listen to our recent community Bible study on the subject of homosexuality. Two nights there, about two hours worth of audio, maybe a little bit more that you could listen to. We encourage you to do that. Check it out there. You can also check that out on our homepage uh, where you can get those uh, files uh, manually if you'd like at thevirtualbiblestudy.com. We're talking about parenting on the program tonight and what our children need. Yeah. Got a little more amplification in the chat room on on this idea of parents raising their kids, training them, disciplining them. Um, John in Oklahoma says the difference between Eli and Samuel is that the Bible does not tell us of a failure on Samuel's part to restrain his sons, and that's true. Nick says the proverb is true the majority of the time, but not an absolute truth in every situation. Raise up a child in the way he should go, and even when he is old, he will not depart from it. Is seen to be true generally. There's a problem when parents do not do their job and then do not understand what happened. I think that's right. It's a, and, and that is the nature of a proverb. It's a generally true observation. It, it, there can be exceptions. But I'm like Nick. The problem is a lot of parents are not doing a job that needs to be done, and then they wonder what went wrong later on. Yes. All right. Uh, All right. What, one other thing that we talked about in, in regards to our relationship with our kids. We talked about time, discipline positive reinforcement or praise, we need to talk about us setting a right example ourselves. All right. Yes. Uh, we can't expect our children to rise above our example if it's not what it needs to be. And again, there could be, exa- uh, could be well, exceptions. There are exceptions, yes. And I think I've known exceptions where kids turned out to be much better than their parents were, but typically that's not the case. Yeah. And so we really need to set a worthy example before them. We can see that in the example of the kings in the uh, in, under in, of Judah, for instance, in, in the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, you know, some, there were there were kings who rose above their parents' influence, uh, but typically we see over and over again they they followed typically the followed footsteps. the footsteps of their parents who were evil. Yeah, famous statement of Jesus in Matthew five sixteen: Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works, glorify your Father which is in heaven. Who would be more important for us to let our light shine before than our own children. Right. And so uh, t- too many parents are, are not living the life that God expects them to live, and they know it. But somehow or another, they think they can do that, and their kids will still turn out okay. Yeah. And that's just that's just foolhardy, I think. How many times have you seen the, the parents who weren't uh, living like they should, but they wanted to make sure their kids were in Sunday school? Yeah. Bring them and drop them off. Bring them off, drop them off in the park. You're you're wasting your time. Yeah, no, I really I mean, think no so. offense. I mean, more than likely. Uh, but uh, go ahead. No, I think you're exactly right. All right, all right. Let's let's move on from that, Jacob, and let's let's oh, talk. Nick to- says Solomon fell below his father's influence. So Solomon, yeah. yeah, okay, good. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly right. Okay. Um, let's talk about some some of the spiritual things we've been talking about our relationship with as parents to our kids. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about things that we need to specifically be instilling in our kids. And one of those is that we need to be teaching the Word of God. 
Mm-hmm. We are the ones who need to be telling them what the scripture says and what it obligates them to do as they grow older. We've got to teach them what God says is his will. Psalm 119, verse 9, beginning, Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed thereto, uh, thereto according to thy word. With my whole heart I have sought thee. O let me not wander from thy commandments. That thy word, if I hid in my heart, then I might not sin against thee. The psalmist here says that uh, young men, young people, need God's word in order to live as they should. And we've got to instill that in them uh, so that they have that at their disposal. All right. So we've got, to, we've got to do an effective job of teaching them the word of God. We already mentioned Ephesians 6, verse 4. Fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the admonition of the Lord. Uh, the New American Standard says bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Uh, you know, nobody else is going to do that. We can we can get help. Uh, we can bring them to, for instance, in the local congregation when Bible classes are arranged. We can get them involved in those classes. But the primary responsibility is on parents to do that job of teaching their kids what the Bible says. And nobody else is really going to do it for you. You've got to do that. And you've got to invest the time to do that. Anthony, uh, the, you're involved in some teaching here um, Sunday and Wednesday night, Bible classes. Is it possible for a child to learn everything they need to know in those classes in the, that short amount of time? I don't think so. I mean, when you think about you know the amount of time that is, it's what – Less than two hours a week, yeah, and you know that's uh, that's not very much time. So it's great. It's obviously it's it's beneficial and it's a good thing to take part in and to you know put our efforts wholeheartedly into. But that alone can't possibly outweigh the influence from all those other hours in the week. So, I think you're exactly right. I mean that just that just almost seems too obvious to even have to point out. But I don't think people really get it. Um, we've been we've been having plenty of opportunities to get on soapboxes, yeah. Jacob. But <laughs> well, he's some uh, type of earlier this week, uh, Mike, who used to be a member here, who lives up in Indiana, now sent a, a link to us a, a news story. We could talk about the uh, the wisdom in a parent taking his family to Indiana, but we'll that's a soapbox for another yeah, time. Yeah, that's another time. Mm-hmm. I'm just kidding, Mike. Uh, uh, Christian pollster George Barna documented that 61% of today's 20-somethings who had been, this is the phrase they use, they had been churched. Churched. In other words, they were a member of some religious organization. At one point during their teen years are now spiritually disengaged. They do not attend church, read their Bibles, or pray. Get that. 61% of people 20-something years old who at one time had had some religious connection now have none at all. Three out of five. Yeah. Now it faith. Now it goes on. According to a new uh, national survey sponsored by the National Center for Family Integrated Churches, the youth group itself is the problem. You know, churches have youth groups because they think they got to keep these kids interested in church. But apparently, these these youth group activities are terribly misguided. Fifty five percent of American Christians are concerned with modern youth ministry because it's too shallow and too entertainment focused, resulting in an inability to train mature believers. Mm-hmm. Isn't that something? Thirty-six uh, percent of today's believers are convinced youth groups themselves are not even biblical. Wow, which I would agree with. Yeah, but uh, you know, the idea of getting my kids around other kids to have fun, and and somehow or another by osmosis they're going to learn the Bible, not necessarily. It lowers the bar. It's like that, that 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 church stuff is for the parents, and that studying the Bible is for parents. But for kids, yeah, you don't it's, need that. It's fun time. Fun. Yeah, I, I can say I I grew up in a Methodist church, and I we had a youth group and a youth pastor, and we ate pizza and we played sports and and went to camps and all that. But um, but. My looking back on that, it was just entertainment. I mean, I you liked get, it, no doubt. I had a great time, yeah, yeah. But it did nothing to, you know. I was just as confused and and you know, devoid of any true Bible knowledge at the end of that as I as it would have been otherwise. So no, I, that's I Completely agree. Very interesting. So that really, it's our job to instill Bible knowledge in our kids, and it's going to. You're going to have to do it. You, you, you just you can't expect it to happen unless you invest the energy to do it. 
Uh, Nick says those statistics are the result of parents failing to give their children the tools of faith which are necessary to overcome the challenges of their faith every day in the godless public school system. And certainly our kids are going to face huge challenges. We've got to give them all those tools. Nick goes on, uh, or previously references, Proverbs 1, 7 through 9. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. Hear, my son, your father's instructions, and do not forsake your mother's teaching. Indeed, they are graceful, a graceful wreath to your head and ornaments about your neck. And so uh, we've got to know God's word, and parents need to be teaching their children God's word uh, so that uh, they can uh, have those those tools. Thank you, Nick. All right. Real quickly, uh, if we got time, well... We better take our last break, and then we'll rush to the top of the hour. We've got three to go after this. Respect for authority, moral courage, and an understanding of the consequences. We'll get your comments on the other side. Don't go anywhere. We'll be back right after this. Got a question about something you've heard on the virtual Bible study? Send your questions to questions at collegeview.com. We'll be right back after this. Hello, everyone. I'm Monty, a member of the College View Church of Christ. So if you've been hearing all about the College View Church of Christ on the virtual Bible study and are interested in finding out more about the church, but you live hundreds of miles away from Columbia, Tennessee, and can't come and visit with the congregation to find out more, there's no reason to fear. After all, we live in the 21st century. Here's what you can do to find out more about the College View Church of Christ. First, why don't you check out our website while you're listening to the virtual Bible study? You'll find important information about the church there, including bulletin articles there on various subjects and can even listen to sermons that have been presented at the College View Church in the past. Secondly, if you have questions about the church or about any Bible teaching, why don't you send an email to us and let us know how we can help. Send your questions to questions at collegeview.com. That address, once again, is questions at collegeview.com. We can even have a personal Bible study with you over email if you desire. And finally, if you would rather talk with someone in person, give us a call at 931-381-4567. That's 931-381-4567. You can call this number anytime. If you don't get an answer, leave a message and we'll call you back as soon as we can. We're glad you're listening to the virtual Bible study and hope to hear from you soon. We're tracking the trends on the virtual Bible study. 93% of teens ages 12 through 17 go online. 63% of teen Internet users go online every day. 73% of teens are on a social network such as Facebook. 55% of teens have given out personal information to someone they don't know, including photos and physical descriptions. 88% of parents know that their teens typically use the Internet to communicate with people they don't know. But only 34% of parents regularly check their child's social network sites. 67% of teenagers say they know how to hide what they do online from their parents. 43% of teens say they would change their online behavior if they knew that their parents could find out what they were doing. That information is via social media and young adults by the Pew Internet and American Life Project. The Word of God says in Proverbs 15, verse 3, The eyes of the Lord are in every place, beholding the evil and the good. God's Word has the answers. Let's get back to studying it. The virtual Bible study rolls along. We're back on the study tonight, and you you had some startling statistics there about the Internet and children when we... Well, that's another program. We don't have time for it tonight. Yeah, but, you know, the parents don't even know what their kids are doing on the Internet. That's the whole thing we're talking about. you got to invest the time and the energy and the discipline. you got to set the right example. you got to show them what's right and wrong from the Word of God. you got to... The next thing we wanted to touch on, Jake, is you got to teach them to respect authority. They, you teach them early to respect your authority as a parent, and then it makes it possible for them to know how to respect the authority of the civil government, uh, their employers on the job. But most importantly, it teaches them how to respect the authority of God and to do what he tells them to do. All right. Um, uh, the, uh, in Lamentations, I found a couple of quotes from Lamentations that apply here. Lamentations 4, verse 5, They that did feed delicately are desolate in the streets. They that were brought up in scarlet embraced dunghills. In other words, they were brought up in materialism, but they didn't, they didn't, weren't taught to be obedient, respectful, and submissive. Uh, Chapter 5, verse 12 says, The faces of the elders were not honored. Mm -hmm. So they didn't respect authority, and they paid the price for it. And I think kids today will as well. Nick has an interesting comment in the chat room. He says, I found it quite challenging to teach my children to respect authority and at the same time teaching them not to accept everything stated by the authorities I wanted them to respect. They did uh, learn to walk this fine line, but it had to be difficult. In other words, 
he's telling kids respect the authority, but uh, when maybe the teachers at school were saying, you know, there is no God, then they have to refuse that. So that is a interesting angle there, Nick. Thank you for sharing that. Another thing that we suggested that we wanted to talk about was instilling in our kids what we would identify as moral courage. And that has a lot of, probably a lot that can be said about that, but basically that's that's teaching our kids to be able to stand up and be different and and to have the courage to say, I don't believe that, I don't do that. Um, you know, that's a hard thing because we have a tendency not to want to stand out in the crowd. We want to blend in, but... Obviously, as our society becomes more and more corrupt, our kids are go- are going to have to be different, and we're going to have to teach them the, the, and give them the, the 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 strength to be able to to take that different approach. That's right, uh, and uh, I, I'm afraid that's going to be even more of a challenge in, in the in the time that we live uh, than it has been in the past. In Titus chapter two, verses seven and eight, um, or sorry, uh, Exodus twenty three, verse two. Uh, the, the children of Israel told they were not to follow a multitude to do evil. Uh, they had to stand up for what was right, and uh, we will be in the minority if we're trying to be right. Anthony, it doesn't change when you get to be an adult, so we've got to make sure that our children are prepared for that. You're right. You're absolutely right. It, it doesn't change when you get to be an adult, and, and as time goes on, at least for the foreseeable future, our society is becoming more and more uh, godless, and so it's not going to get any better. All right. I just lost my computer, Jacob. My, oh, battery, no, my, my battery went dead. Can you do it the old-fashioned way here? Do I, don't have, I didn't even bring the power supply, so uh-huh. <laughs> I'm out of business with my computer. But, again, I do think it is so important. Uh, I, I was Just as my computer croaked on me there, I was going to look up uh, some statistics that I had a while back on the things that kids are involved in, which are pretty horrible. At relatively young ages, kids are getting into some really nasty stuff, morally mm-hmm. speaking. Mm-hmm. And then you hear even parents of young people in the church saying, I don't want my kids to be different. You don't want your kids to be different. Right. Are you kidding me? Yeah. You better hope that your kids are different because the majority of kids are going in absolutely the wrong direction. We feel sorry for them that they have to be different, can't go to the prom. We feel sorry for them that they have to dress differently and we don't. That's that's what being a Christian's about. Yeah. Uh, don't I mean what what better time than right now to to teach them that? Well, yeah. You can, right now you have the opportunity to teach them to be different while you can be a resource and, and and strength to hold them up. If you don't do that now, then when they get out on their own, they're certainly not going to have the, the power to to resist the societal trends and all the immorality. Uh, you you need while you can help them. Help them to learn to be different. Don't shy away from the opportunities to let your kids be the oddball. Different is actually good. Yes. And we, we've got to we've got to get around to accepting that because if you look at the world, the world is heading the wrong direction. Anthony. Yeah, and I think the earlier you start that, the better. I mean, start it right away and and have a plan because you know the time's going to come where you know the world comes knocking, so to speak, on your kid's door and. Um, if you're not prepared for that, then then your kids will, will let them in, so to speak. So, yeah. And, you know, we, and, and while we talk about all these things, we understand that every kid's different. And so parents have to be really wise. They need to pray to God for the wisdom of how to do these things that we're talking about tonight. But you got to do it. You know, and, and the, with some kids, it will be easy. Some kids don't really care whether they fit in or not you know and so for those kind of kids it's not such a great challenge to teach them to take this stand and be different but other kids somehow or another just seem to have a natural craving for acceptance and they want to be like the ones that they're around right and so parents of those kind of kids are going to have a greater challenge but whatever the case may be and whatever the circumstance with your kids might turn out to be you're going to have to get them to the point where they're willing to accept that they cannot be and do and dress and act like the worldly kids around them. Moral courage. Absolutely. Moral courage. Absolutely. Very, very needed. All right. So we've talked about give them a good working knowledge of God's word. That's very important. Teach them to respect authority. Give them, help them develop moral courage and help them to understand consequences. 
That's, now, you're going to have to explain that one. That seems like that should almost go without saying. But we need to get our kids to be able to see the end from the beginning. If I choose this, where does that lead to down the line? If I choose that, what will it cause to happen this time tomorrow, this time next week, this time next year? Where will I be? If I do this, what will be the consequences? I really think there's a lot of adults that are incapable of that. And therefore, it's going to be really hard for those adults to to be able to teach their kids that when they're not good at it themselves. But if we are wise parents, we're going to get our kids to realize that choices have consequences and think of that while you're making the choices. Um, in Galatians, okay. Galatians chapter 6, verse 7, beginning, Be not deceived, God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. For he that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption, but he that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. And so there Paul was basically saying, Consequences. You you reap what you sow, and and that is the idea of consequences. And if you sow to the flesh, you're going to reap corruption. If you slow, sow to the spirit, you're going to reap life everlasting. There are consequences to choices. Think about that. Teach your kids to think about that and factor that into every decision. Very interesting. And, uh, you know, uh, we got to be careful in that we don't bail them out of some of those consequences. Oh, I think that's right. The, the, if, they, if they make their bed, they need to lie in it, so to speak. Yeah. I think that's true. I mean, I, I think you, you you do what you can to help them avoid evil consequences. And if they suffer those evil consequences, then you may have to help them deal with them. But but you don't avoid them. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, in Ecclesiastes 11, beginning verse 9, I think uh, the wise man of Ecclesiastes is saying this to young people. Think about where this goes, what it leads to. Ecclesiastes 11, beginning verse 9. Rejoice, O young man, in thy youth, and let thy heart cheer thee in the days of thy youth, and walk in the ways of thine heart, and in the sight of thine eyes. But know thou that for all these things God will bring thee into judgment. In other words, he's saying enjoy your youth, but understand you're accountable to God. Uh, So make your decisions accordingly. He says, therefore remove sorrow from thy heart, and put away evil from thy flesh, for childhood and youth are vanity. Remember now thy creator in the days of thy youth, while the evil days come not, nor the years draw nigh, when thou shalt say, I have no pleasure in them. Think about the consequences is effectively, I think, what what we're reading there. All right, absolutely. Um, And I don't know, my kids are younger now, so some of those consequences can affect the parents. Uh, You know, the kid misbehaves in at church, we can't stop and get an ice cream cone on the way home. But it gets worse. It gets worse. I know it's going to get and, worse. And you know, unfortunately, we've known parents. We've known we've, parents that we've that we've known well and been close to, who didn't do the right job of raising their kids, and they've paid a horrible price for it, and continue to pay that price because they didn't do what needed to be done while they had the chance to do it. Parenting. One of the things we haven't really talked about, Jacob. Parenting actually is a window of opportunity. Yeah. And if you if you miss that window of opportunity, and the scriptures suggest this, I had Proverbs nineteen eighteen, chasing thy son while there is hope, uh, and, there's it, hope. and then there's a window there. The yeah. implication is there'll be a time when when you can't chase and then the hope is gone. Mm-hmm. And so parents need to do their work while they can, so that they they don't suffer an evil consequence of children ill raised. Yeah, yeah. And Anthony, I guess uh, for, for those of us who are parents, if nothing else, as after talking about this for an hour, we just to be reminded of how serious this job is that we have, and and uh, and yeah. what a short time we have to do it, and how serious it is, and how how extent, extensive the consequences are for failing. Yeah, it really is a serious job, and you know, in a perfect world, before we become parents, we would really give some serious thought to that. You know, I can't. I'm sure that doesn't happen all the time, um, but you know, it's something that we need to spend some time talking about. If we're with a spouse, you know, our spouse, or we're a potential spouse, and we think we want to have kids with this person, maybe we need to start talking about that. It's never too early to well, start thinking about what you're going to do if you have kids. And every now and then, we need to be reminded of it, even at, yes. when we're in the middle of it. Absolutely. Yeah, and, yeah, and, and, well. and parents have got a 24-7 job, and they got it for at least, I mean, I don't think you really ever finished parenting, but certainly for 20 years, when this child is born into this world, for 20 years you've taken on a nonstop obligation, and you just can't let down. I mean, yeah, it, it gets it gets tiresome. You get weary. 
you can't quit and you can't let down your guard at any point. You've got to do the job. Right. Well, we've got a couple comments here we need to catch. I guess 48 says uh, on the idea of consequences. Satan has done a fantastic job of delaying the consequences of most sins. If I smoke cigarettes today, I don't get bad health tomorrow, et cetera. Or I need to say it better, getting us to believe that we will not be affected by our decisions because the consequences are many times delayed. And Satan does a good job of sort of hiding those consequences from us. And, and, and so thanks, Guest 48. And uh, Nick says, uh, yes, to be a child of God uh, demands, this is on the subject of moral courage, it demands being different and nothing short of that will do. Matthew five thirteen through 16, you're the salt of the earth, but if the salt is, has become tasteless, how will it be made salty again? It is good for nothing anymore except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. You're the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. And so throughout scriptures, thank you, Nick, for that. We are called to be different, and uh, being different is uncomfortable. We've got to help our kids get used to that. Exactly right. All right. Good discussion tonight, Dad. Thank you for your time. Thanks, Jacob. Anthony, thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. And uh, thank you for joining us on the program. We hope you benefited from our study and discussion of God's Word. We hope you make plans to be back here this time next week for another edition of the Virtual Bible Study. And in the meantime, we encourage you to put God first in your life, study His inspired Word, the Bible, and live by it every day. You'll never regret it. Thanks for listening to the Virtual Bible Study, brought to you by the College View Church of Christ. The College View Church of